Welcome to Inside AFIMSC. I'm Veronica Kemeny from the AFIMSC Public Affairs Office, and today I am joined by Colonel Scott Matthews, and he has been the Tyndall Program Management Office Director for the last three months. Welcome, Colonel Matthews. Thank you, Veronica. Good so, to be here. <laughs> tell us what your day job normally is before you arrived here at Tyndall. Yeah, so uh, currently I'm assigned to the Air Force Civil Engineer Center in San Antonio, Texas. And I have the uh, facilities engineering directorate. So in layman's terms, that's really all the military construction and large-scale O&M projects for the Air Force. Wow. So you're a busy man. I got a team of people that keep me very busy. So um, you arrived here three months ago, right after the hurricane. And I want to know, what was that like for you? What, what, what did the area look like? Was okay. it a shock to your system? It, it was. So uh, I arrived about 30 days or so after the storm. So we got here on the 11th of November. I had a small team of four uh, other individuals from the Air Force Civil Engineer Center. Uh, we flew in here on, I remember it was Veterans Day. Uh, Sunday night, we got into uh, the Northwest Field Airport here, uh, probably about 10, 11 o'clock at night. It was, I couldn't, I guess what stood out for me was it was absolutely pitch black. There was very little street lights. Um, most, I think there were not many, if any, uh, traffic signal lights. And just the, once you got closer to the base coming down um, one of the, the bigger uh, streets here in town from the airport, just the destruction uh, trying to find an open place to have dinner because we hadn't eaten. Uh, we found a, uh, did find one restaurant open, but as we walked through the parking lot, there were people still like sleeping in their cars, contractors and other people, and it was just widespread devastation. A lot of debris still on the island of the roads. Um, we had to go around some debris in some areas to get through so the roads weren't completely clear. And so I remember uh, we had our, our, um, our app for navigation on and, and she kept trying to take us a left and it was just darkness and, and debris piles so we just stuck to the main roads and got to base. Wow and, and what have you been up to the last three months? Tell our listeners what you've been doing on behalf of the Air Force. Yeah, so uh, we came in here so the the Air Force saw a need that based on the the level of storm and, and the devastation and damage from the storm that this was really beyond any installation's capability to to recover on their own. So shortly after the storm, within days of the storm, uh, the Air Force um, Installation and Mission Support Center, and as well as the primary subordinate units, the Air Force Civil Engineer Center and others, uh, they set up task forces that come in and immediately help the base. So um, one of the, the task forces that helped support the installation here was Task Force Phoenix, led by Colonel Pat Miller, who's the Vice Commander of Air Force IMSC. Uh, they came in and, and they had their key missions that it was, you know, you had to start at least small and think about this was a big problem to try to solve uh, to clear the debris. So they really came in, they really wanted to determine um, the status of the facilities, they wanted to assess all the facilities and then preserve as many as they can. So that was ongoing. Uh, They had been on the ground, like I said, days after the storm. When we got here, they'd been on the ground probably 25, almost 30 days. Uh, So we came in and looked at, well, where do we pick up after they're done? And so as we sat down, we did some initial kind of forming of this team and what we think the PMO uh, should do. We really tried to focus on what it took to repair the installation, what we're gonna do kind of reshape, and that's an opportunity to redevelop, if you will, and do the master planning, and then rebuild the base. So uh, we've really been working on that the last 90 days. It's hard to believe it's been 90 days, but. Um, there's a lot of work that's been accomplished, um, even taking on a lot of the repair debris removal. Um, 
It's been and a tell me that factoid. I've heard you tell it several times oh. about the rotunda in Washington, D.C. Yeah, exactly. So share that with uh, our listeners. So people ask us how much debris is here, and you can't get a sense that uh, we had a chance to go up to, to Washington, D.C., talk to some of the professional staff members uh, over in Congress about what you know, what's status, what's going on at Tyndall, and, and how they could help. And one of the things that we tried to explain to them is, very early on, people wanted to know how much is it going to cost? What's the repair cost? And at this point, the base was still trying to just recover basic things, uh, opening roadways, clearing down trees. And so uh, the contractor we had here has moved to this point just shy of 800,000 cubic yards of debris. And that just sounds like a big number. So we always try to find a way to put into context so you can, your mind can grasp how much that is. And so because we were going up and talking to the congressional staffers, we looked at And if you look at the, the dome on the Capitol building, a very iconic um, symbol, it, that whole area underneath the dome and in the dome is called the Capitol Rotunda. And it, we have enough debris to fill that thing 16 and a half times. That's incredible. Wow. So what, what's the best part of this experience? Because you've lived here for 90 days. You experienced a tornado a few weeks ago. Yeah, so you got a little extra, extra gift. Yeah. What's been the best part of this? I think the best part for me, and as I've been doing a lot of reflecting over the last uh, couple of weeks, is it's really the people and the mission. And when I look at what we can bring uh, as civil engineers, it's really understanding our mission owners, understanding what they need to get the job done and restore the base to what its purpose is. Uh, is those that are familiar with Tyndall, one of the, the national treasures they have is the, the range they have out over the water. And, and how quickly after the Secretary of the Air Force made the announcement of what the missions were going to return, it's the focus support uh, Colonel Laidlaw, the wing commander, about getting those missions back up. So it was very important to get things like the F-22 simulators back up and running so they could do F-22 pilot production, supporting the 53rd Weapons Evaluation Group and making sure that they could do their uh, combat exercises, it was called uh, Combat Archer, and uh, with the subscale drones and the large-scale drones training, and uh, also getting the training pipeline restarted for the air battle management over the air control squadron. So it's, it's getting back in the mission, smelling jet fuel again, and, and getting out of cubicles <laughs> being in the field. And really I wanted to ask you, too, because you've worked hand-in-hand with Colonel Brian Laidlaw, the, mm-hmm. the wing commander here, and what a partnership. So tell me about that partnership. An engineer and a fighter pilot. He's an engineer and a fighter pilot. Uh, the two of us. So anywhere, uh, as I mentioned before, that this this job is really about relationships and, and getting things done for people. So you know, very early on, once uh, Mr. Edwards called me and asked me to, to take on this role, I reached out to him. We had some mutual uh, contacts through our, our time in the Air Force. And so I introduced myself and quickly met with him because he he's overall responsible as the commander. It's his job to, you know, back to the commander of Air Combat Command to make the mission happen here. So whatever we can do to have him be successful, get the mission up and started. And so uh, we, we formed a pretty good uh, relationship, very strong relationship that's developed over the last 90 days, and really a lifelong friendship, if you will, uh, to make sure uh, that he has everything he needs to, to restore the mission here. And, and I guess the other piece I'll share with you before you jump in there is uh, what a... It's kind of ironic that uh, the one of the things that I found out is he is open to many new and exciting ideas. And so last year, uh, prior um, to the storm, he was the um, senior mentor for the uh, iWebTech, and it was the mission area group or the working group, the MOG, and they looked at what the base of the future would look like. So he had spent some time at the Air Force Civil Engineer Center 
uh, an Air Force IMSC learning about and thinking about what the installation should look like. So that kind of dovetailed in nicely. He already had a lot of those ideas on where we wanted to redevelop as an Air Force our first 21st century installation. So a uh, great advocate for what we're trying to do. That's outstanding. And today uh, I followed you out there. We, mm-hmm. we saw the first building, the chapel. Mm-hmm. They started the demo on that. So you're, this is your last week here. <laughs> what, what, what were you feeling seeing that? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, Veronica, it was really kind of bittersweet. If you look at a lot of things, I, I had a team meeting today and we were going through, this is a really, really busy week. A lot of the work that we've been um, undertaking for the last several months, a lot of it is all coming to like an apex this week from the temporary facilities that are being delivered. Some, uh, the, our airman dorm complex that we've been talking about, a 200 person complex uh, has been arriving. They're starting assembling it today. More temporary facilities are being uh, assembled to get people into better work conditions. But to see the, the first demolition contract, and you, it, it will be, um, it's kind of mixed emotion because seeing that it was the chapel, the chapel took uh, some significant damage. We, we looked at it a lot of different ways and there wasn't really a good way to salvage it. So having it to be one of the first ones to come down uh, and watch it, but it's it's kind of the, the, the hope of the future and what better place than have that be the chapel and get these eyesores down from the what's left over from the storm to let people know we are committed to rebuilding this installation. Um, we're going to have to get a little dirty before we get better, but uh, that's all part of progress. Can you talk about the destruction? Because unless you've witnessed it like we have, yeah. it just it's amazing and shocking. And Yeah, it, it really was. Um, so in the early days after the storm, um, those we were tracking this at the, Air, at the Air Force IMSC crisis action team. Uh, we were able to see some of the videos that had occurred. And so you, you thought you had a sense by the video footage over flying, and then we saw some updated aerial maps. But those maps did not do it any justice. You, you can't comprehend how widespread uh, the damage was, and, and in, utter, in some cases, utter destruction of some facilities without being on the ground. Uh, that you know that 20,000, 30,000 foot level just does not um, give you a full comprehension. So uh, we've seen buildings that were completely washed away. There's only thing left is the, is the concrete foundation. Uh, we've seen uh, one side of the building looks perfectly fine, like nothing happened, and the other side's completely, uh, the walls are caved in and there's no way to go in there safely. Uh, we saw other buildings down, uh, down in the 9700 area that, that not only did they have the wind, uh, they also had the storm surge from, from the ocean, uh, about 8 to 12 foot storm surge. Um, from the aerial view, you can see the roof. Everything looks intact. You say, hey, that facility is good. We can save it. And you get on the ground. The first floor is completely gone. Uh, the only thing survived is the second floor. And the second floor desk looks like nobody ever left. Like you just walked out for the day. The papers were still on the desk. It looked like it was perfectly fine. So Incredible. you saw the wide varying uh, aspects. And then just all the, the other thing that really sticks out for the mental image is these giant pine trees, oak trees, bent and snapped over 10 feet, 12 feet off the ground, laying, laying all bent over, pointing which way the wind knocked them down. I mean, the force, the power, the power for for the trees. And and then even like there's one at the main gate that sticks out. One of the big I beams for structural support was bent down at a 90 degree angle. And the force it took to do that was just very hard to be able to, to visualize and understand that people had to ride it out here. 
It's amazing. And one thing you've said, um, as I followed you the last few weeks, it, you you want young officers to come volunteer mm-hmm. and work here. And why is that? You've been a huge advocate. Yeah, well, we've for that for, for everybody. I would say it goes beyond the military. It's our civilian as well. We've talked kind of extensively with some senior leaders about this. Is that this is what we do uh, as Air Force civil engineers? It's about thinking through the problem, how would you recover the installation, what's it required to rebuild the base, thinking long terms and master planning those skill sets on how to find a requirement from our mission owner, develop that requirement, put a project in place, whether that's a repair of a building, like the example the building we're in today is we used to be the NCOA Academy, we're using it now for temp office space, but we know to get the NCOA Academy back up and running in, in 18 to 24 months or less, uh, we need a new roof on this building. We need uh, hurricane-resistant windows. We need to do some build-out inside to repair the damage that was in here. Uh, so all that stuff has to be done. And what better way? You can't learn that in a textbook. You learn by doing. And so this is a great opportunity for our junior officers very early in their career to understand this. And for our senior members of our career field, like we've had a request out right now for civilian uh, senior civilians with you know 10 years of experience or more, especially in the programming, to come here and help out and assist the junior officers and others to develop those requirements. Uh, there's no better place to be and learn our business right now than at Tyndall Air Force Base. So a strong advocate. Uh, I've seen, you know, we got brand new second lieutenants have been out of school less than a year here leading their teams uh, to this next rotation. We got um, some, some captains at the four or five year point and they are just getting the job done. We put some significant challenges on them. Uh, they're managing probably $150 million worth of repair to facilities some high mission customers like First Air Force, and they are getting the job done and delivering those facilities uh, on a very, very tight timeline. That's outstanding. Um, we just finished Industry Day. We had 400 industry members mm-hmm. come. We had all of the elected and community leaders come out. So what, what what's your reflection on Industry Day? I, I would say first it was relief. Veronica, you know that. That was a lot of work. <laughs> we, we got that plane put together uh, thanks to you and like uh, Lieutenant Denopoli here and and uh, the PA team from Air Force IMSC, uh, Brian Godden, to, to pull that off. That was a tremendous lift in a very short period of time, especially with the holidays. But there's been an outpouring of the industry. Um, it was kind of old home week for me. A lot of the, the people that were in the audience I uh, have worked with in my, in my day-to-day uh, job in San Antonio. Uh, many of them are retired uh, military, either military or civil servants that love what we do. Uh, still want to serve, and, and they have uh, been following Tyndall. Many of them came up to me and said, hey, I was stationed at Tyndall from this period of time because the other part of Air Force, excuse me, the Air Force Civil Engineer Center is stationed here. We have our Tyndall office, so many of them had passed through here, and, and they want to help out. And so uh, talking to be able to share with them what we've been doing, uh, how we're going to need their assistance, and I know it was probably for them, they were anxious to hear what happened. They really are more interested about the projects that are coming, uh, with the level of contracts that we think, you know, you throw a number out there today, about a $3 billion rebuild, that's a big number. And looking at how they can help, how they can team with other uh, members in the industry within their careers, um, or their, within their careers, but um, with other members amongst the industry community and, and how they can help support us, whether that's through um, planning, through design, through construction, and um, even on-site services they're looking at as well. So as you wrap up this uh, TDY, do you feel like you're one of the founding fathers of the 21st century Air Force Base here at Tyndall? No, I don't feel that way at all. Um, I'll tell you that 
I say the brains of the outfit. Uh, you need to talk to Amy Vanderveer about being the, you know, maybe she's the, the mother of the 21st century air base. She's one of the planners. She's one of the, the key of the planners, planners, the Air Force's subject matter expert in uh, community planning. Uh, she's been here and her team have been doing wonderful things and then the, the contract support. But I just, you know, as I reflect, this will be one of the highlights uh, of my career as I look back, being able to come here and do this. Uh, all the experiences that shaped me through my career, uh, whether, you know, overseas, being with the different airframes, different types of jobs, have all kind of led up to this point. I was just glad to be able to come here, uh, bring a great group of folks down here and uh, work together to repair this base. And your replacements here, we've seen them yes, yes. following you. Yeah. Uh, what advice are you going to give Colonel Brent Hyden as he fills your big shoes? Well, I know, fortunately, he's got at least a size 13 like I do, so <laughs> it's not going to be that many big shoes to fill. Um, but, you know, he's he's a longtime civil engineer officer. Uh, he's been doing this for just the same amount of time or longer than I have, so he knows what needs to be done. But the advice I gave him is uh, to understand what the mission owners need, establish those relationships with uh, Colonel Laidlaw, the leadership team here, uh, and then... As we talked much, you know, as we led up to Industry Day, it's about partnerships as well. So uh, understanding how uh, critical the Corps of Engineers is going to be uh, to execute this big plan. Uh, industry partners, he's already well connected with many of those as well. And then, you know, I think the one that he's going to have to learn and uh, know there's an opportunity coming up later this week is is the defense community and local community. Uh, outpouring of local support during Industry Day uh, from uh, the elected officials, community members, the area uh, defense council. Bay defense Bay, council. Yeah, sorry, start that out. It's not the area defense council. Uh, it's the Bay Defense Alliance. Mm -hmm. And uh, they really love this space. They're here. They want to support the installation and, and looking for ways to team together to do that. So under, meeting them, establishing those relationships is key and we'll need anything accomplished once you have those relationships in place. So any final thoughts? No, I just... Uh, I said this has been one of those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. It's a little bittersweet, I know, as we've been reflecting on, on from starting off with four people sitting around a dry race board, um, forming, storming, and norming uh, what this PMO is <laughs> going to be to what you see that we've been able to accomplish. Um, we're all a little bit sad. We're all going to kind of miss each other. Some are coming back to San Antonio. Some supported here while they're working on their homes. Uh, and and supporting us, but um, I'm very excited to see what this next chapter of the organization will be like as they rebuild Tyndall. And someday I'll bring my kids back here and say, you know, Dad was part of this to help rebuild. Founding father. <laughs> we like to thank our listeners for tuning into Inside AFIMC. Again, I've been joined by. Colonel Scott Matthews, the director of Tyndall, the Tyndall Program Management Office, as he wraps up his TDY here at Tyndall. And I'm Veronica Kemeny from AFIMSCPA. Please check out the rest of the story on our Facebook page and see what we're up to. Thank you for joining me, sir. Thank you, Veronica.